Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know What works with social media? I'm excited about today's show. I'll be joined by Marcus Sheridan from the Sales Line, and we're going to explore how to deal with haters. And you probably know what I'm talking about. These are the people that seem to get great joy from saying nasty things online about you, about your company, about any particular thing that they can knit and criticize. And, you know, if you haven't dealt with haters, chances are pretty good you're going to be dealing with them and you need to be ready for them. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. And what I'd like to do is share a little bit of story with you. Uh, Basically, it's something that's happened over the last week. I'm recording this on April the 16th. And, you know, it's been a really crazy experience. And and it prompted me to call up Marcus and say, hey, let's get on the show. Let's talk about haters. You know, but have you ever been publicly criticized or even mocked for something that you did? Has the internet paparazzi, as I like to call them, ever chewed you up and spit you out. (laughs) Um, If you don't think it can happen to you, it can. And you have to have really thick thick skin and you need to be ready uh, when this kind of stuff happens. And I will share with you, Social Media Examiner has been publicly criticized in the past. Um, We have a pretty high profile publication in the business world. You know, a million people a month that are reading Social Media Examiner. And we get our fair amount of scrutiny. Typically, it's things related to our editorial. Um, Sometimes it's even been things like, I can't believe you have a cartoon character as an avatar. I would never, ever read a publication that has a cartoon character as an Amazon. I mean, as an avatar. Anybody who does is a complete idiot. You know, I've been hearing this kind of stuff from day one. Um, You know, here's one thing I got to tell you. If you let the haters have their way, then they have succeeded and you have failed and you will not be able to make forward progress. And the other thing I want to let you know is it's absolutely impossible to ever make everyone happy. Now, what I'm about to share with you is a story that is about entertainment. And it's about a piece of entertainment that we made and that was criticized and it went crazy. And I'm going to share a little bit of the backstory um, because this is just kind of crazy. So here's the story. Um, at Social Media Marketing World, Phil Mershon, who is my event director, 
um, I empowered him to completely handle all the entertainment. And it was the second day of the conference, and it was just before um, Jay Bear was going to be coming up on the stage with a panel uh, to talk about what's wrong with social media. Or said another way, have we lost the social in social media? And on that panel was Ted Rubin, Nicole Kelly, and Jeffrey Roars. And Phil, being a jingle writer, and um, a great jingle writer for that matter, decided to put together an original jingle and get a gal named Mary McCoy to sing it. And he he decided to do a little rap in the middle of it. And it was designed to be a funny um, a look at what's wrong with social media. Um, and I can, I'll talk maybe in another podcast about why and how what I'm about to share you actually happened. But the people that were there at the conference, you know, um, took it for what it was, uh, a corny piece of entertainment that was designed to be a setup for what was about to happen. And people were getting into it, and some people thought it was corny. But okay, that's fine. You know, that was exactly the purpose and intent. But when we actually released the video, we released it on the event page for Social Media Examiner on my personal profile and on the Social Media Examiner um, wall. And of course... Um, when we were at the conference, you know, we didn't intend to release this to the public, but people were asking for it because they thought it was funny. And the the main way that this video was captured is it was broadcast up on big screens. We didn't have cameras on the audience and we didn't have audio on the audience. So you couldn't see that the audience was singing along and you couldn't see that they were getting, you know, interacting and cheering and all that kind of crazy stuff. And I'm sure some people in the audience thought it was kind of corny, but you know, that, that was that. But when this thing went on the internet, um, it was fine for the first day. And then I ended up um, getting a call from Phil Mershon, my event director, and we had 600 views on the YouTube video. And he said, hey, there's some really nasty comments on there. Should we shut off comments? And I said, no, I don't think that that's appropriate because um, we are social media examiner and we don't want to shut down the dialogue because frankly, we'll get even more criticized for it. So um, we went on, and um, my hope was that the negative people would just be negative people. But then, um, by the end of the day, 75,000 people had seen that video. And an article was published called, The Devil is Real, and he made a song about social media marketing. And um, it was written on a gossip blog called Gawker. And Gawker is a New York-based website that's really all about talking about you know, the industry of gossip. And they happen to have a, a section called, I think, Valley Wag, which covers what's going on in the, in the valley and the social space. And it was a very negative um, uh, post. And what ended up happening was the, uh, the post spurred a lot of views of the video and a lot of negative comments. And the very same day, or maybe even the next day, Mashable, Huffington Post, Slate, CNET, and by Friday, VH1, actually in prime time, did a 90-second comedy piece on the video, which was actually really funny. Um, and obviously, they went to great lengths to produce this. I mean, it was, it was excellent. We'll have it in the show notes. And we know that they're mocking the video. And I don't really have a problem with that. Um, the video has been seen, as of this recording, more than 450,000 times. There's more than a thousand comments. It was ranking number 15 worldwide over the weekend. 
And even um, someone made an acoustic um, version of this with just a guitar and his voice, and it was actually quite good. But, you know, you might be asking yourself, well, what's wrong with that? That sounds great. And, and you know, the plus, the plus side of it is VH1 said social media marketing world and all these blog posts referenced and some link back to social media marketing world. So you could argue there was an upside there. But the overwhelming response was mockery. And, you know, there's some kind of criticism that I think is fair and acceptable. But there's also the kind of criticism that I think is a little over the line. And frankly, the overwhelming sentiment on this video was very negative. You know, we got 1,900 um, thumbs down on the video and like 700 thumbs up. And some of the biggest haters were in the comment section on YouTube. And I'm just going to read one of them for you. This person who will be anonymous said, wow, that girl can sing. The dude is a who should slit his wrists, but the girl is amazing. And then someone said, bit hyperbolic, don't you think? And this person responded, hey, it's internet comments. Hyperbola sort of par for the course. So, you know, this is the kind of crap, and I will call it crap, and evil kind of stuff that people were saying, basically about one of my employees who was in that video. And, you know, people were criticizing the gal for being off key, for not dressing well. You know, um, uh, they were criticizing Phil for wearing khaki pants. I mean, it went ridiculous to stupid things, you know. But um, it got even worse when someone who is very high profile in the world of marketing, who will go nameless, um, said the following. I've had 41 good years on this earth, but this is it. I'm ready to find a new home. I no longer wish to live on this planet anymore, thanks to this abomination. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Let's Get Social. Watch it, then join me in finding a new place to live, another planet where this video simply isn't. And of course, um, 150 comments ensued from this particular person. Uh, It was shared 33 times, and of course, another whirlwind happened as a result of that. So... You know, where were the haters in all of this? They were in YouTube leaving comments. They were smaller bloggers saying unbelievably vicious things. Um, They were Facebook people um, out there, you know, posting things. And the reality of it is um, we had a crisis on our hands, you know. Um, My company, um, Social Media Examiner, wasn't technically dragged into it, but my brand Social media marketing world was one of my employees was, and another person who was one of the attendees who got up and sang that song was just completely ripped to shreds. So, this is the lead up to the interview with Marcus Sheridan, where he and I are going to explore how to deal with haters. Now, it's my hope that you don't ever have um, the world criticizing you, Um, but. Don't be surprised if it happens in some capacity. And there's a way to deal with these people. And Marcus and I are going to explore that a little bit more in the rest of this podcast. Let's transition over to that interview right now. Helping you simplify your social safari. Here's this week's expert guide. I am super excited to be joined today by Marcus Sheridan. Marcus blogs over at thesaleslion.com. He's host of the Mad Marketing Podcast. I strongly recommend. And he's also a partner in River Pools and Spas. Marcus is a consultant 
and a keynote speaker. In fact, he was the closing keynote at Social Media Marketing World and killed it. If you're looking for an awesome guy to keynote your conference, I definitely recommend Marcus. Marcus, welcome to the show. What is up, my brother? I am so excited about this subject because it's rarely touched online, so I'm ready to rock and roll. Let's do it, man. Well, today Marcus and I are going to talk about haters and how to deal with them. But before we get into that, Marcus, I want you to tell everyone where you are right now. (laughs) Well, this is what makes me so grateful to be alive today. So where I am right now, I'm at SeaWorld. I'm literally in the parking lot. I've been at, at Disney all week. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking at a conference, and so my family got to come down here for free. They're inside in the park. I've been with them all day, and I'm just slipping outside. I've got my hotspot on. I've got my blue uh, Yeti hooked into my laptop. I'm speaking to you live from this parking lot, and so if you hear horns, that's the reason why. And I will officially say that this is my, my first interview where the, where the person I'm interviewing is parking. So, <laughs> Marcus, you've said a new first. So um, let's get serious here because uh, what we're going to talk about is really a very serious issue that I know uh, you've probably experienced. I know I've experienced. Um, Marcus, you heard the setup for the start of the show. And um, let's start by talking about why do haters do what they do? What motivates them? What what are some of your thoughts? Well, you know, this is going to be an interesting, uh, I think, conversation that you and I have, Mike, because because there's really two types of people, right? There's, there's those that have this abundance mentality. They think there's enough to go around for everyone. And they are unfortunately, and, and I'm a generally a positive person, but they're in the minority. And there's a second group of people. They tend to have a scarce mentality. And if they feel like there's a certain amount of success achieved by somebody, they start to, A, look in the mirror and that frustrates them. And they also look at that person and say, why are they achieving the success? Because I feel like I deserve it more than this person. So then they have this negative space. It's a bummer, man, but we see it all the time. And it's, I I think today, because of technology and because everything is so front and center, it's easy to feel like people are passing you by or more successful than you much quicker than it ever was before. Um, And I fully agree. And you know what? I think that sometimes we can be haters and not even realize it. And um, I want to explore this a little bit, Marcus. Um, <laughs> By the way, I see that all the time. It's funny to me. I just got to say, I see people talking about things like bullying, right? And, and they're so anti-bullying. And then I've seen those that are anti-bullying go after people online as well, just because they have some type of, you know. And so it's kind of like one of those deals where it's definitely a lot of pot calling kettle in this, in this case. It's prolific, but people, you're right. They don't see it. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up bullies because, um, you know, I think that there's like a whole range of different kind of haters that exist. You've got you've got the people that um, grew up in a a household where um, their parents are complaining about everything and the whole world and and they and they're modeled that behavior and they frankly just don't know any better. And they just, um, you know, and, and we've also got people that are gossipers, right? That just love to talk about so and so and and what's wrong with that person. And I frankly think sometimes it's all of us. And um, you know, it's really interesting. I think the internet allows so many people to essentially um, vet and vent. Maybe is even a better a better word. And and sometimes I think people don't even realize that the the internet has a permanent memory. What are your thoughts on this? 
Well, that's really true, and we're all just starting to figure this out. I mean, if if, if we're really looking at it um, analytically, we're so young in this process, and we, you know, it's like all the time. It, it, I've been do I've been online for about five years, Mike. I have changed my opinion on many things over the course of those five years, and I would say that's more due to maturity versus just completely changing my paradigm on something because things change all the time and you look back and I've said things online and I said, you know what, why did I write that? Like, why did I do that? I don't feel good about that today like I did then. And the moment you feel good, especially because of social, you get all of, here's the interesting thing about social. You can go online to Facebook. You can say something really negative and then all your negative friends will say that's great. Now all your positive friends will ignore it and they really won't comment on the thing. Maybe one or two if you're lucky. But I don't know if it's luck here, but you understand what I'm saying. There's percentages. So what happens is we have all these tribes. We have negative tribes online. We have positive tribes online. They come out in Facebook. They come out in LinkedIn. They come out in all these places. And essentially, it compounds who you are. It magnifies who you are. And so you feel like everybody's with you when in reality, there's a lot of people looking at you saying, good grief, that person's kind of messed up or they're negative. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because uh, perception is reality for so many people, right? And what you're talking about is so, so important because um, we kind of, we live in a train wreck society, right? The news, people are much more interested in hearing news of train wrecks than they are of hearing about something successful, you know, and they're much quicker to point the finger at at uh, this organization or this person or that person, you know, it's a real problem. And and to getting back to what you were saying, I think that when we have tribes online, we have an obligation to much who is given much is expected. And we have an obligation to steward our tribes appropriately. And when we decide to bitch and complain, what we're doing is we are saying green light to all of my tribe go ahead and follow my lead and go ahead and bitch and complain. But when we decide to not do that, we also send a message. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on this, Marcus, because I do think that a lot of people have their own little tribes and social media and, and they think because they, they have people that are affirming their negative opinions that they should do more of it. Well, it's easy to get a false perception of what is, um, uh, what what is in the what is the opinion of others as you do things online? It's we're we're constantly just seeing one side of it. Like I said, it just kind of falls into one side. If you said something negative, generally speaking, those that are negative, those that agree with you, they'll step up with you. Here's what's interesting to me, Mike, and and you know this is why I'm curious to have this conversation with you because when you when you talked about in the opening what happened with with um, at social media marketing world. And when you when you talk about this concept of haters, I actually get a good feeling. And that sounds weird to a lot of people, but I think the only way that we induce incredible opinions today from consumers, readers, whatever you want to call them, is by taking a leadership position in some way, shape, or form. Okay? And frankly, just where our society is, in my opinion, we don't have enough leaders. And every single industry is thirsting for better leaders and those that are willing to have an opinion. And as soon as you have an opinion or as soon as you do something out of the box, which is essentially what you did in social media marketing world, right? As soon as you do something like that, people want to rain on your parade when in reality what's happening is you're building your brand and you're making a name for yourself. But now comes the test moment because the moment you take a leadership position, your, your skin better get a lot thicker, a lot quicker Otherwise, you're going to be in trouble. 
And it's so true. Um, and I've noticed this over the last 18 years since I've had various different businesses that when you take a stand, the arrows start flying and um, people start you know, wanting to essentially take you down. They want to, you know, basically become the king of the hill. And the way that they do that oftentimes is by constantly critically um, uh, throwing negative comments your way. But I want to, let's take this a little bit deeper, Marcus, because I think there's a difference between people that are being critical of us and haters. Um, I think there's room for people to be critical and to say things that are um, maybe wrong with what we're doing. And I'd love to hear what is your distinction about being critical and about hating? How would you distinguish the two? <laughs> Man, that's that is a that is a unique question. Actually, I would I would almost put this in three categories, okay? Because to me, your lowest denominator is the trolls, right? And so the trolls essentially are the ones that live on YouTube. I'm not a fan in the in most cases you kept your comments on for that for that one particular video. Me personally, I don't know if I would have done that. Not because I don't think it's anti-social to do that. I think it's anti-troll. Comments in YouTube are run by the trolls, 90% of them. I've done some incredibly incredibly positive and uplifting, I thought, videos online before. And you have trolls that come into play. And it gets really, really ugly. So you have the trolls, okay? They're just the bottom of the barrel. They're there. They're going to troll on anybody. That's all. It's the purpose of their life, right? So the second one are the ones that are haters, they actually know something about your industry, but oftentimes they're the ones coming from that scarce place. Either A, they feel like you're taking market share if you take a leadership position or a unique position, right? Or they feel like, okay, I'm not getting enough attention and so I need to throw my hat in the ring here, right? Because this is potentially affecting my brand because everybody's looking at their brand. So that's the second one. And then you have those that are legitimate construct. They give legitimate, constructive feedback, right? I, I love those people. My blog loves those people. My business loves those people. But you don't see many of them online, and it's quite unfortunate. But those are the ones where we can actually get some growth, some personal growth or some growth with our business. And I think this is a really awesome distinction. Um, trolls are flat out evil, and they're going to do as much destruction as they can for whatever reason. That's just how they operate. And the trolls will come after you, and they will not let go, and that's their nature. The haters oftentimes are the ones that just say things that are completely – that they would never say face-to-face. -face. Um, rarely would they ever, ever say this kind of thing face-to-face. -face. And I've actually gotten on the phone with some haters and some trolls and just talked to them. And they completely change their tune when you get them on the phone. <laughs> it's it's very unusual. You know, I, I kind of took the philosophy out of the Bible of pouring love on your enemies. And it does help them a little bit. But, but you know, if they're trolls or haters, they're just going to defer back to their nature. And sometimes getting in the dog cage with a troll or with um, a hater is, is a battle that you're never going to win. Um, but with those that are critical, you know, and it's, it's legitimate criticism. I think those are the ones that are, that are cool. Um, that's why, for example, I was totally cool with what VH1 did, um, on our video. You know, they put together a 90 second comedy skit and it was hilarious and it was making fun of us, but it was, it was, you know, <laughs> constructive criticism, you know, and it was, it was hilarious. But, you know, some of these other posts, that, that I've seen, like, for example, one of them was, um, this is the tune that I'm going to hear on my elevator trip to hell. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff <laughs> is pretty much a clue that, uh, the person writing that blog post is pretty much uh, a hater. And, um, you know, 
so I think it's very valuable that you're distinguishing this. Have you ever dealt with trolls or haters yourself? Okay, so let's just let's just take it back when I was just a pool guy, and, and a lot of people know my story, of course. Some uh, many people listening do not know my story, but I went from a guy that was basically almost out of business with my fiberglass swimming pool company doing in-ground pools in Virginia to what is today the most trafficked swimming pool website in the world. In order to do that, what we had to do was, well, our strategy was let's follow four simple words. They ask, we answer. We took every single question we'd ever been asked, whether it was about the competition, whether it was about brands, whether it was about products, whether what methods didn't matter we were going to give the world the world our opinion on that particular subject as soon as we started to do that michael and as soon as we started to get traction the manufacturers and the goliaths in the industry said basically and this is literally what they said who's this snot-nosed kid that is saying these things and and you know basically spouting off his opinions about manufacturers and about fiberglass pools, what gives him the right to do that? Well, the reality is, Michael, what gave me the right to do that was the fact that I did it. You see, I was a digital David in a land of Goliaths. I was quicker, I was more nimble, and I wasn't sitting there worried about all the red tape, all the this, the that, the lawyers, whatever. I just wanted to teach the world better. I wanted to give them my opinions. And in the process, I learned what true leadership is because, you see, at first, it was really hard to hear all these attacks coming from manufacturers in the swimming pool industry saying, hey, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. But then the consumer started to come out. And essentially, once we start to take a leadership position, Michael, doesn't matter what the industry is, what the business is, we have to ask ourselves, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to focus on those that love me or am I going to focus on those that are obviously going to hate me because this is going to cause me to start to gain momentum. And when people see momentum, you're going to quickly see who your friends are and who those that are not your friends. That happened in this case. With the sales line, the same thing has happened. And if, certainly with my speaking career, it's really, really happened. I've got a unique speaking style. I don't say that in an arrogant way, Michael, but it's not for everybody. And I even tell people that. Now, perfect case in point, you and I have talked about your event. It was one of those deals where the feedback was just like in almost every keynote that I give, which is, in my case, most of the time, about 90% of the audience is just crazy about the style. They love this interactivity, the passion, the enthusiasm, the emotion. And then there's another 5 to 10% that says, I don't like that guy. I feel like he invades my space. I feel like this. I feel like that. They don't appreciate my style. And the truth is, Michael... And sometimes people don't like to hear this, but it, this is the truth. When I get on stage, I've already let go of those 5% of people that I know won't like me no matter what. Because they don't like seeing a person up there that is in the moment with that enthusiasm, with that just different style. And I'm okay with that. And because I let them go, I only focus on those that bring me the greatest energy. And this is, you know, that's one other principle there. When you're a speaker... You have a choice. You can look at those people that are giving you funny looks and you can tell they don't like you. Or you can look at those that are in the moment. And you know this, Michael, because you gave a great keynote and you speak all the time. And you focus on those that are focused in on you. The same things happen or should happen with businesses. You have a choice. You can either focus on the one that's giving you a funky look from the audience, okay, which is usually the competition. Or you can truly pay attention to those consumers, those customers, those prospects that you're actually helping and making a difference. You know, and I want to share a couple stories. Um, somebody posted something on my Facebook wall in preparation for this interview. They said, quote, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. 
and Mahat, Mahat, Magandhi is the guy that that quote comes from. And I will tell you, Marcus, that last year when I did the opening keynote in 2013 to Social Media Marketing World, someone wrote in the feedback comments, Mike, you know, you don't really need to keynote your own conference. And that just ripped me down, man. And I, and I thought, oh, maybe I shouldn't do it. You know what I mean? And then I talked to my, my team and they said, of course, you need to keynote your own conference. And I did it even better this year. And I got the best feedback I've ever gotten from any one of my presentations. Um, but, but think about that for a second, Michael. Literally, you almost pulled out, right? You almost stopped down this wonderful trail that you were going on simply because there was one person that gave you a strongly negative comment, which made you say, is this the right thing? That The fact that you continued, this is the great divide. Do you know why so many businesses don't go with social? Here's what's so sad about it. They don't go with social and they don't embrace content marketing, not because they're thinking about their actual customer, their actual client. They're thinking about the troll. They're thinking about the negative comment. They're thinking about the, the negative things they'll find on social media. And it's amazing to me that you never hear them say, but what if we don't get a chance to communicate, to lead, to help that person that is perfect to do business with us, that would make a wonderful lifetime customer, but instead they're worried about that person or that competitor that will never pay them a dime, that will never help them make payroll with their employees, and that's never going to make a true difference in their brand. It's a crying shame, Michael, but that is where the divide is, and the fact that you kept going with it, that's what makes you unique, and every business just like you that continues, despite the negativity, those are the ones that win in this game and ultimately become the leaders. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about emotion, which you understand, brother. Um, and by the way, Marcus is a really good friend, if you can't tell. Um, when you first got that very first reaction when you did your pool site, I want to know, honestly, what were you feeling? When you got that first, who is this punk kid? What does he know about the pool industry? What were you thinking about? I was questioning myself, Michael, right? Because I was sitting there thinking, well, is this always going to be the case? What am I, what, am I in uh, over my head in this stuff? You know, what, what else could happen here, right? So I'm thinking about those things. But, and here's the but, right? More and more people around the country and eventually around the world started to ask me questions and they started to show appreciation for the fact that I was thinking about them, thinking about their problems, and that noise became greater than the negativity. And I've learned to, to tune it out. And that's why I just, I wish I could express properly in words the need that we have to let those go, that 5%, because they will be there. But unfortunately, that 5%, boy, Michael, it tears some people down and some businesses down. And I'm, th I'm not talking about little mom and pops here, Mike. I'm talking about massive companies get torn down by this. And see, you said in the opening, you said, I hope you don't ever have to deal with this type of crisis. And you see, that was interesting because I don't agree with that statement. I think that if you're, if you're experiencing a leadership crisis, and that's really what I think you're experiencing, you have attained a certain amount of success. You did something really cool, funky, nerdy, dorky, all at the same time, okay? And because of that, you had all these reactions, right? Right? So you say, this has been a unique situation. I say, this is a beautiful thing because what we're seeing is we're seeing the next step, the next evolution of the social media uh, examiner brand. And when companies come to me, because I force my clients, Mike, I mean, I'm telling you, I, got, I deal with a lot of clients at this point, a lot of brands and stuff we do with their content marketing, nobody does in their industry. And it's, it's almost like, you know, Marcus, if we do this, 
we can get attacked. I'm like, I know you will get attacked, and it's going to be a glorious day because that means we now are becoming the voice of this industry. It takes guts. It really does, Michael. Most people don't have it. Most brands don't have it. But once they do, boy, cool things happen. This is why I'm doing this podcast because – I'll be honest, you know, I've been the target of attack, as I mentioned in the opening before, and my first reaction is to roll up my sleeves and fight. And I think this is the nature, right, of people. You're either a fighter or you're a flighter. And I'm <laughs> I'm someone who's willing to fight. And I know that I could leverage the power of my platform and fight back, but I don't because I don't think it's the right thing to do. Um, and, you know, I just want to acknowledge that it's okay to get pissed off. Um, I think that means you're human. You know, when someone says something that's crude, rude, and totally unacceptable, uh, uh, you know, unacceptable. Um, one of the first things I said to my team when this happened is I said something good is come out, is going to come out of this because it always does. So I just needed to set the expectations with everybody here inside of corporate that we are going through something that um, it, it looks really ugly right now, but something really good is going to come out of it. You, so, but you see, I don't see it as I don't see it as it looks ugly. You know, if somebody well, just you don't see you didn't see everything that I saw, Marcus. No, no, but but that's the thing, Michael. That's that, that that's the thing. I there's there's a reason and 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 everybody's different here. I'm not saying your way or my way or anybody's way is the right way, but I don't. I honestly, and you're gonna say no way, dude. I don't even think it's healthy to look at YouTube comments in general, right? If you look at some of the, if you're any person, I would never want my kid to allow comments on YouTube for anything they did, no matter what type of art they created, because there's. I don't care if there's 100 positive comments. There's going to be one in there. And now, of course, you had a bunch of negative ones in there as well. But the thing about it is I see this as and, – and, and folks at Social Media Examiner might not see this. I literally see this as the next step. This is like a great day because, first of all, how many more – like you said, there is one victory – the silver lining, of course, is the brand, and so many VH1 is talking about all this. I mean, how many people have talked about social media marketing world from this one little thing? I think that's awesome, right? I think it's beautiful, but I also think sometimes when we're in the moment, we just we we uh, we worry too much. In other words, we know you and I both know that 99.9 percent of the people that were all that were at attended social media marketing world. They weren't sitting there saying, man, because of that um, because of that one performance on stage, I'll never come back. They're saying, the content at that stinking conference was awesome. The networking at that stinking conference was awesome. I am ready to go back tomorrow because that is what the majority of the people are saying. And, of course, that's what they're going to tell their friends. That's the lasting impression of Social Media Marketing World 2014. Okay, let's pivot now. We've been kind of hinting at how to deal with haters, but we're going to get deep into it. So, uh, Marcus, I'm going to play a, a, a video clip from um, – our mutual friend, Derek Halpern from Social Triggers. And it's about a minute long, and it's about how he deals with haters. So I want you to hear it, and then I want you to respond to it. Here we go. A reader of mine, Elaine, asked me, what should I do when someone doesn't like me? How should I deal with them? The short answer is, screw them. There's more than 7 billion people in the world. If 1, 5, 10, 100, 1,000, 10,000 people don't like you, ignore them. If they come to your site to harass you, Ban them. Me? I take pleasure in banning people from my site. Why? Because it's my site. It's not a democracy. Now, what's this mean to you? You've got to take the same control over your site. You may not want to be as aggressive as I am, but here's the deal. Every second you waste fretting over one hater is one second you can spend making a loyal customer happy or even happier. Ten years from now, what will benefit your business and life more? Stressing out over one idiot or wowing your customers. 
That said, when you get your first hater, celebrate. Because for every one person who hates you, if you're doing a good job, you'll find that there's two, three, five, ten people who love you. And those people will end up becoming your loyal customers. Halpern, out. <laughs> what do you have to say about that? <laughs> you know, I like, I, I appreciate, I appreciate Derek's uh, passion. And there's a lot to be said for what he's, I, I love how he said celebrate. So let me say a couple things about this, though. It took Derek a while to get to that point. Trust me, just like the letter, he could have written that same letter at, at some point in his growth as an individual. He eventually had to make, he had to make a decision. Who am I going to focus on? Derek is a polarizing figure. He wants to be a leader in his space. And so as to do that, he understands it's way more profitable to be very polarizing, to have strong opinions than it is to be lukewarm. I mean, think about it for a second, Michael, especially when you look at brands, you look at individuals online, and you say some of the most successful people, how many of these grossly successful businesses, brands, and companies are the ones that are the most lukewarm, right? I mean, you just don't really see it, and Derek certainly is a, is a classic example of that. At the same time, this person that wrote this letter, this is a legitimate, I mean, this is a legitimate struggle and you see people get into social media and oftentimes they have a false impression. If it's an individual, they're not thinking as much about the negative as much as they are about, wow, won't this be great? Won't this be nice, right? And they get involved and then all of a sudden, for the first time in their life, their art is criticized. That's very personal, it's individual, and it's hard to deal with. And that uh, young lady that sent that email to Derek was experiencing that. And of course, the more you're in business, the more your skin gets leathered up and you have to deal with that. Now, brands, when you're talking on a brand scale, brands, they're worried about the negative things. That's the first thing they think about. They're not thinking about it's all going to be all beautiful. They're sitting there thinking about all the negative, all the potential PR blubs in their face and all these things. Once again, there's an extreme focus to one way or the other. And what you don't see, especially from those that don't get it, is you don't see that fine balance in things, right? And, and remember, this thing with Derek, Derek took time to develop that strength. I took time, you have taken time, and I think we all are on this course of growth and maturity that allows us to let go of people and celebrate the good fit from the bad fit. The longer we're in business, whether it's an individual solopreneur or a brand, the great quest that we have is to find out who is a good fit and who is a bad fit. The moment you recognize clearly, and it's more important as a business, by the way, that you know who the bad fits are, because as soon as you recognize who the bad fits are and therefore who you are not, that is one of your greatest days as a business. Um, I want to talk a little bit about you know, there's different ways that people express their hatred towards you. And one of the ways that they do it is sometimes by writing negative blog posts about you. And I want to focus on this for a little bit because this is not my first rodeo. This is not the first time someone has written a really nasty negative blog post about, about either my brand or something that we've done. And um, in the past... I would go on there and I would try to have a dialogue with those people, but that would, I would just find that literally every word that I would say would get used against me. And, um, 
what I did in this situation was I mobilized my entire team when this video, when this, uh, you know, Gawker article came out and I said, we are going to do absolutely nothing. We are not going to respond to any of these negative comments, whether they tweet us, um, whether they leave something on our Facebook wall, and we're definitely not going to go out to these blogs and defend anything. And um, I would love to hear your thoughts on this because the reason why we chose to do this is because I think that getting in the dog cage with the dogs is a losing battle. And I'm also thinking that if you go in and you fight with them, all that does is kind of put fuel on their fire and allow them to want to even take it further and use every word you say everywhere against you. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, so, so it's interesting that we're talking about this because not to get too, uh, kooky, I guess, is the word. But I think in a lot of ways, we're talking about how we use our energy, right? And in, in, in life, in many ways, it's, it's a constant process of deciding where, who, to whom, and to what do I give my energy. And of course, if you get involved with the dogs, as you stated, it's going to be a negative experience. You cannot leave that experience feeling uplifted and feeling positive. You can't do it, Michael. You can't debate with these trolls and feel like, yep, yep, I won that. Rock and roll. You know, it's the same thing as like, it's like going to court and going to trial and you're in trial for six months. When you're done, you're just saying, I'm just so glad it's over. You're not saying, wow, we kicked butt. No, that's not how it works, right? Because it's so much negative energy investment. You cannot invest your energy in such negative things. And then we have the positive. The ones that, the ones, here's the thing. The ones that I see online that are constantly focused on the positive, the positive, right, and focus on those things, they have the brand that is built to last, right? Because I see many people are, that are essentially that blogger that cried wolf, and they constantly complain, they complain, they complain. What happens if you continue to pl- complain about things and make a mockery of things or point out things? People stop listening to you. They stop appreciating your points, and they say, that's just what he does. He's just a muckraker. He's just a gawker person, right? And if you become that person, sure, you could say, well, gawker has a brand, Marcus, but they're sensationalism. I mean, it's just, they're just essentially digital muckrakers. I'm not really into it. I think it's a joke. They get paid by clicks. Sure, whatever, that's fine. But ultimately, when it comes to having a real business, to me, something that's honorable, and a lot of people will be miffed with that statement, but it's not honorable. It's just not, right? I mean, who, who gets honored in that? I don't see that, and so therefore, I wouldn't put my energy in those things, and that was a really solid recommendation of yours. Yeah, so the take-home lesson, folks, is sometimes doing nothing is the best course of action, and I know that sounds insane, but it, but it really does work. And, and frankly, it's a week later, and this thing has died off. Um, now, there are other circumstances where people are leaving nasty comments about you on social networks like YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Um, What's your suggested course of action in those situations? Is it the same? Is it to ignore them all? What are your thoughts, Marcus? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, so, so there's, there's one side to this that it's important that we bring up. And I certainly do this as well. And I'm one of the first ones, like Halpern said, if somebody's not following the rules of, of, let's say, one of my platforms, my blog, my house, if they're not following those rules, well, then I nuke them. I, I just let them go. I get them out of there immediately because they've got to follow the rules. Now, if they're on another platform, they don't have to follow those rules. But behind all of this, we still need to ask, ask ourselves the question. And the question is, is there any validity in the things that these people are saying? Oftentimes, if we, if we look at this analytically without the emotion, and that's the hard part, Mike, right? But if we can, if we can look at it without the emotion and we can say, 
hmm, is there something to what they're saying? Could we have done it differently? Could we have done it better? Or is the answer clearly no? Sometimes the answer is clearly no. It was the right thing at the time. Sometimes is yeah, we kind of, you know, we could have done that better. I think there's always an opportunity to learn. But, you know, I was looking at your Facebook Facebook stream earlier, and you asked this question about how to handle the haters. And, and, and one gentleman said, you know, immediately you've got you've to put something in place to, you know, to, to try to make it right. Well, that's not always going to happen because you can't make everybody happy. And see, the person that says you always have to make it right, I think to myself, hmm, I don't know how long they've been in business. Because, and I'm not saying this person hasn't been in business a long time. I'm, I'm just saying because I have found in every business that I've been a part of, whether it's my own, I own multiple companies and I've got multiple clients. We understand who we cannot make happy, and sometimes you just have to wish them well and let them go their merry way. And I really do mean wish them well. You don't wish them poor. You wish them well, and you let them go their merry way, and oftentimes that means no response. Now, you know, um, there are circumstances where you can convert a hater into a fan, and I want to talk through this a little bit. I (laughs) I think it really does come down to who you're dealing with. I think if this person, and you can tell who somebody is quickly by looking at their Facebook feed or their Twitter profile, if they are just someone who makes a, uh, you know, uh, is constantly complaining about everything, then you kind of know who you're dealing with. But if there's someone who perhaps has a blog and generally doesn't take a negative stance on things and has a legitimate beef, there are times, and I have done this, where I engage these people and I first say, thank you so much for your thoughts on this. Um, I appreciate your opinion. And sometimes that's all I say. Other times I, you know, and then I wait for a response. And then sometimes I'll say, um, here's why we do what we do. And a lot of times um, that actually does help them to understand that there's a legitimate reason why we do what we do without, without, you know, and, and I've had some of these people turn into some of my biggest fans. And Marcus, I'm sure you've had this happen to you too, right? Where, you know, you can win someone who is ultra critical to become a fan. Michael, yeah. Michael, like last night, last night I get an email. I kid you not. This guy, guy says to me, hey, Marcus, I was reading your, um, your uh, HubSpot versus Infusionsoft post. And let me just tell you that if you're going to write about software, put a date at the beginning of the article. It drives me crazy that you didn't have a date. So, like, please tell me, when was this article, when was it written, so that I can figure out if this was actually a good article or a bad one. That's what he said. Now, I wrote an article a couple years ago that was entitled HubSpot versus Infusionsoft, a massive review, something like that, okay? And in this article, I spent over 15 hours of research to come up with this post. And it was actually me and another person. So there's really a lot of involvement here. And so after I got this comment, I was thinking to myself, what a jerk face, right? So, of course, how do I handle it? I emailed him exactly like you just said. I said, look, first of all, thank you for taking the time to email me. I do appreciate that. But second, I want you to understand it doesn't have a date because I update that article often. And that's the reason why it doesn't have one set date. I want it to be as modern as possible. But here's the second thing, and this is what I don't understand. That article took me over 15 hours to write. It's free. It didn't cost you anything. And instead of saying anything positive to me, the only thing that you wanted to do was get on the fact that it didn't, you wanted to complain about the fact that it did not have a date. And then at the end, I said, but to each their own. And that was it. That was the email. Now, of course, Michael, he sent an email back a few hours later and he said, look, 
I am really sorry about the way that I handled that, yada, 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 right? So he went on and said that. It happens to me all the time. And I will oftentimes, without yelling at somebody, I will sit there and say, why do you act like that? Because all I'm trying to do is help and give, but yet you are in attack mode. I don't understand. And if you have that approach like, help me understand why, without saying this, help me understand why you're being a jerk. Well, then (laughs) usually you can start a pretty cool dialogue. And you know what? This is an example of when you need to roll up your sleeves and be civil, but defend your position. But but it has to happen privately. Now here's the here's the no other it does no it doesn't, Marcus. I, Let me but, explain why. But go ahead. You, you, I'm going to tell you when it, where it is. It is hard when people are watching to be real all the time and unguarded, and to sit there and say uh, you were wrong. I was right. Most of the time, most of the time, you will not see the true person or the true customer or the true client or whatever you want to call it. You will not see that true person unless it's a one-on-one communication. That's why a lot of brands immediately try to bring what is an online conversation, a spat fest, to something that's offline because then they can actually make progress without the world watching. But it's not so much about the world. It's about we have to guard ourselves when we feel like everybody's watching. This is like reality TV. Is that really the person? Usually, no. Okay, so, but I'm going to tell you, here's an example of where it can be done publicly. We had a contest and we awarded 10 winners, I think top 10 blogs, and somebody was being ultra critical and responding to people in a negative way in our comment section. And I decided to have our editorial director, Cindy King, who's a woman, go in there and I told her to publicly reply and say, please don't personally attack people. Can you be civil? And this person who was a male immediately responded back and said, Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, you know, so sometimes just, you know, having someone, um, call someone out on your own blog, you know what I mean? Because this is, again, this is your platform, um, makes sense and doing it in a nice way. Um, because I think, well, I, I see what you're saying, but see, if that had been me, I'm not saying that you and Cindy did it wrong, Michael, but you have that person's email address. If they leave a comment on, on, on the blog, I would have responded to them privately and saying, look, this is what's going on. I think it's rude and hurtful. And I think you should go back and change some things or you can't play at our house. That's how I would have handled it because, because I want it to be a very intimate experience when I go to that person one-on-one. I'm a firm believer in lot. So I don't think there's a big difference. Communication to me should be the same essentially online and off. If I have to correct somebody, like say I coach a softball team, if I have to correct somebody, I usually don't rip that person or I usually don't chastise that person or try to give feedback to that person. If it's really serious, if it's not a real-time thing, I usually will take them to the side because I don't want them to feel like the world is watching them. And I want them to be able to really ingest what I'm saying without thinking, oh, everybody's watching me. Now, I understand why you did that. I'm not saying you did anything wrong. I just think if we can take it offline, oftentimes it works out really well. I agree completely. But I also agree that there are times where um, somebody needs to be publicly called out. Um, <laughs> You know, well, <laughs> and I'm not going to do that in this podcast, but, but sometimes when you, you know, like I've been in plenty of classes where I've, when I was a kid and I was a little out of control and the teacher said, Mike, you need to sit up and you need to pay attention. It embarrassed me, but I never did anything but sit up and pay attention ever again no, good point. because good they point. Res- because I respected the teacher, you know what I mean? And this person respected my platform. So if anything, what I want people listening right now to realize is that there is no one 
perfect way to do this. You have to work within your values. You have to work within your ethics. You have to work within the community guidelines, if you will, of what's acceptable on your platform versus someone else's platform. You have to decide whether or not a battle is what you want. Um, And, you know, Marcus, I mean, you know, I'm just summarizing some of the things we've talked about here, but give me kind of your wrap up. Well, so uh, so let me just run with what you just said, okay? Because what the, what you just explained is the reason why, just in general, when it comes to social media marketing success, content marketing success, and digital marketing success, that a lot of people are not very good at this because there is no definitive roadmap. This changes oftentimes case by case. And this is why, certainly at Social Media Marketing World, my, my entire message was the greatest in this industry – they understand that there's a core underlying set of principles that guide the most successful businesses and individuals when it comes to marketing, when it comes to sales. Those that understand those guiding principles, they always know, they seem to know what to do in these types of decisions. And just to wrap up my, my, my points from earlier, I think every single industry, and I mean this sincerely, is lacking leadership. If you, digitally speaking, want to be a leader, if you want to build your brand, you need to have opinions and you need to do things that people are not accustomed to oftentimes, as Michael did at his conference. The thing about that is the moment you do that, you have people that look at that and oftentimes are silent and they say, I want to be a part of that. They're not the ones that are trolling online. But they're the ones ultimately that are going to pay to be a part of your conference. They're going to pay to come through your doors and buy your stuff. They're going to pay to use your services. Leadership is the great divide in every single industry. And it's my challenge to the listeners here. This is applicable to myself as everybody's listening, is we need to be better leaders and embrace what comes with it. Marcus Sheridan, thank you so much for providing your thoughts from the parking lot of SeaWorld Orlando, Florida. (laughs) <laughs> I, I want to know where people can tell everyone where they can find out more about you. Well, I certainly have a pad, uh, podcast. It's called Mad Marketing with the Sales Lion. And uh, check my blog out. It's thesaleslion.com. And I've been speaking around the country. I'd love to speak at uh, anybody putting on a conference, a company event, or whatever. I, uh, I'll bring it. I'll bring it with a lot of value and a lot of takeaways, as I always do. Michael, thank you so much for this opportunity. Marcus, my friend, appreciate you very much. Go back and enjoy the uh, the fishies. Well, I hope you found that interview as valuable as I did. Um, I know that um, someday, if not today, you're going to have to deal with haters. And my hope is that you found some inspiration, some ideas, and some things that you can do to be ready when that day happens. Also, if you're interested in seeing the actual video, Uh, and some of the interesting things that were done um, and written about and other videos that were done as a result of this video that happened at Social Media Marketing World, you can go to our show notes. And not only do we have the videos there, but we've got detailed notes from this particular podcast. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 91. That means we're in episode 91. Man, does time fly. If you're a fan of the Social Media Marketing Podcast, um, would you help us get the word out? Socialmediaexaminer.com slash love will spread a, uh, we'll put a tweet into your Twitter stream saying that you recommend the show and it'll help others discover it. This does bring us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back in the driver's seat with you next week. 
I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.